Thank you for tuning in to the left. Jest Anders Lee here with my co-hosts Alex Patak. Hi, I'm Alex Patak. And Rog of Meta. Hey, good to be here. We are joined this week by a friend of mine, uh, Lubna Mirai, who is uh, an accomplished writer. You can check her out on Vice all over the place. Taking the country by storm. Yes, as she should. Very interesting. We're going to be talking today about Syria, which is Lubna has challenged us to say to begin this by talking about what we know about Syria, which not a lot, but this is something that I've um, I've been at a bar or two with Lubna in the past, and she has a habit. This is a very interesting reversal on normal New York bar dynamics. Mm. She challenges the men, particularly white men, mm-hmm. to try to explain things, and they fail at it, we fail at it, and uh, she corrects us. It's a very... Um, and it's always a very good start for a conversation, especially when it comes to politics, just like to let the person who's pretending that he knows everything just to say whatever he knows, and then you can take it from there. <laughs> right. So this is exactly yes. how we met, actually. It's called I was a flanking with, with, like, three people, and they were like, oh, yeah, Syria, blah, 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 uh, YPG, of course, Kurds, da-da-da, and I was like, okay, so tell me more what you know about Syria, mm-hmm. and we took it from there. And I believe I said... Did you own them? Of course, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. But- I don't remember, actually. Did I? <laughs> well, I didn't really. When the rage know. takes over. I was, over. like, so tired, <laughs> and he was like, it was, you were celebrating also your birthday, like, since last week. I, I think had, I was like, just getting drunk. I would no, I was just getting. Yeah, that was just me two drinking. birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had like two weeks. Andrew's birthday isn't like a normal birthday. It's He's a week like long the king of Jordan. He has like three months. <laughs> of we are literally going out after this to celebrate Andrew's birthday. So this is very fine to me. <laughs> Say what you will about the Left Jazz podcast, but we never back down from a challenge. We never do, and That's I tried. Brand. You know, I That's tried brand, to yeah. say what I knew about. Of course, I did not. I will say I did not have a dog in the hunt. I was not trying to argue with anybody, but she asked me what I knew, and I I thought that Assad was a dentist, but apparently he's not. He's what an eye guy. Yep, he's optometrist. Yeah, optometrist. Uh, optometrist. Okay, but he's a bad guy. I think is one thing. Yeah, you we would all need, agree uh, on healthy eyes to see. This guy's no good. <laughs> <laughs> You can smell... Well, we don't have to get into that. All right, so we're getting into what we know about Syria now? That's what we're starting? I want you to tell me what you know about the conflict today, 2017. I want you to tell me exactly what you know about this conflict, this war. Uh, Should we go one by one? Uh, no, I, I want it to be more. We can okay. do kind of like an impromptu, like an Im, like like some improv it's like scene in the Kung Fu movie yeah. when they're coming at them one by one, but he's already taken out three waves, and then they're just all in a fan around them. And they're like, "No, all of you now at once!" And mm-hmm. then they pick out like a cement pole and smack people with it. This has quickly become from an abstract metaphor to just the Matrix Reloaded, but uh, <laughs> you can understand that's what's about to happen in this podcast right now. Um, <laughs> Syria. It's a great Jackie Chan movie, yeah. <laughs> the Matrix Reloaded, one of Jackie Chan's <laughs> finest movies. They have not uh, offered the Jackie Chan solution in Syria, which I think... Just throwing people... chairs and coat racks <laughs> yeah. at people? Yeah. That was You're upsetting him. our guests. All right. So, <laughs> All right. Anders, well, brass tacks, how do yes. we solve Syria? Tell us. Were we, uh, okay. That is not the question. <laughs> uh, well, it's, uh, as I understand it, a lot of this... I mean, we could go back really far, but um, 2011, we got the Arab Spring going on, right? Yeah. And people wanted to take out Assad, and he didn't want to go. There's unrest. Unrest. Perfect In a lot of these, in a lot of, a lot of the countries in the region, mm-hmm. Egypt too. Tunisia. Tunisia. So every, everyone, it's, it's the big thing, you know? Uh, there's mass unrest and then just from reading Lubna's article this is what I know now that there was a uh, violent suppression against the, the protest protesters exactly. the, the, <laughs> I, I fucked that word up real bad but um, violent suppression that kind of uh, over time manifested into the beginning of the civil war I will not call it yet a civil war Wait, yeah we will uh, let's just by yet you mean in thoughts. 2011 or I'm, no, right now. here we're, we're going to speak about 2011, how okay. this started. So basically, yes, you started, right? Uh-huh. The wave of the Arab Spring was happening. And, and like, in a way, it was a wave of, uh, it was like very inspiring. Uh, but many people were arguing in Syria that actually the wave of change is not going to hit the country. Mm. And how the uprising started actually is in Dara'a. 
bunch of school kids wrote on the walls of their school because this is what they used to see on TV because of uh, Tunisia and Libya and Egypt, which means that people want the government to fall. So what happened to those kids that they were taken into the detention and they were uh, tortured. So when the families went to ask for those children, uh, one of the police officers told uh, one of the fathers that you should forget about your son and if you are not able to make your wife pregnant again, send her to me and I will make her pregnant. And here I'm speaking about Dara. It's a very conservative town. Uh, so this is how the uprising started. Most of the demonstrations in the beginning of the uprising were calling for justice for those uh, children, uh, protests across the country were in solidarity with the city of Dara. So here it's very important to note that the first slogans of the Syrian uprising were not against Assad. They were just for justice for those uh, children. And of course, the uh, demonstrations were uh, faced with live bullets and repression. Mm. So, but this, was this more of a local thing? It wasn't about the... It was about the whole country because okay. uh, in the age of YouTube and Facebook, you cannot hide this. Yeah. Like, for example, there was an uprising before in the 82. Uh, it started in Hama and it was repressed. 30,000 people were killed in 20 days by Hafiz al-Assad, which is the father of Bashar al-Assad. Mm-hmm. But uh, no one knew about it because we didn't have any way to know. And in 2004, also, there was an uprising in the Kurdish areas, which was also heavily repressed by the government. When you live in a police state, like certain or like similar things are not being reported. So this is what, in my personal opinion, I do believe that the Facebook and the social media played the major role. Uh, So the uprising started as a very peaceful uprising and the protest stayed peaceful for the first six months. Does anybody else here, Love Not Excluded, know anything else between this time period and 2013? Because that's where my gap is for the knowledge there. What do you know about this gap? Okay, you, so you I remember I just started stand-up in 2013, and I remember Obama was threatening... He was thinking about it. He was, he was, he was threatening dithering, to dithering, think as about some people said. having yeah. a bomb. And uh, I remember specifically being at a daytime show, which is a terrible setting for stand-up comedy, and really expressing myself about that, which kind of dates the whole scenario. And to me, as an American who grew up through the Iraq War, what it felt like was kind of the same things happening again. And just imperialist intervention into Syria, which... Okay, and this is my main problem with some people in the left here, that they consider what's going on in Syria as a regime change conspiracy. They don't really understand that Syrian people had every reason to stand against their government. Here, it's very unfair to compare Syria to Iraq because, okay, Iraq was uh, a regime change imposed by the West, but in Syria, it was a regime change demanded from the people, from the inside of the country. So the comparison between Iraq and Syria is not that fair. But that's what it felt like... with my context and limited knowledge of the situation, that's what I remember feeling at the time. Okay, yeah. so it's very interesting here because you, you mentioned Barack Obama and his speech in 2013, but you did not mention the reason why he was on TV saying that we might hit the country. There was a chemical attack in August. The red lines. Wait, yeah. it was... Yeah, actually, it was August 2013 where 100 people... Uh, where. Uh, 1,500 people were killed in the same day because of a chemical attack. So basically, Obama was so ashamed because he said that this is uh, a red line and Bashar al-Assad will cross a red red line if he used a chemical attack. And Bashar al-Assad used it and Barack Obama didn't do anything. Again, guys, like it makes me so sad because like the only way that Americans will care about Syria if the president said something about it. Or someone posts a Facebook meme. They're on specifically. A lot of this is really springing from the extremely limited knowledge of the conflict, though, because right. working with almost nothing I guess over I, here. I would question, though, that in Iraq, there was a, a pretty big faction of Iraqis who wanted to oust Saddam Hussein, and uh, they did not get support from George H.W. Bush, and the, the support they got from Clinton was in the form of sanctions, which, which didn't did more harm than good. So basically, yeah, this is this is what really makes me angry. Every time I argue with someone about Syria, like you feel the Syrian people are out of the picture. Mm-hmm. They will mm-hmm. uh, start the conversation with telling you what the American government is doing or where the American government is standing. And for me as a Syrian today, I honestly give no fuck 
of what the American people, uh, not the American people, I care about the American people, but like, <laughs> but like when we started the uprising in Syria, we didn't really care what the American government thinks of that. And, and actually, uh, in the beginning of the Arab Spring, uh, the American government took a very shameful stand on the Arab Spring. Like they did not, at the beginning, they did not support the Egyptian uprising. Uh, and in Syria, it took them a while before saying any statements. So for me, what bothers me the most that the Syrian people are kind of out of the picture every time there is an argument about the Syrian uprising. Right. From, the, from the American government perspective, it, what it looks like is they always wait to just bet on the winning horse. And that's what it definitely mm. felt like with the uh, Arab Spring was we'll uh, support whoever won. Yeah, it's end. very yeah. opportunist. Because they don't uh, give a shit. They're just like throwing money around and... There, al- there also se- seems to be this um, attitude on the left where they condemn Saad's actions, but then they aren't for regime change, but they're for the removal of Assad. I don't, I can't, I don't understand if those things are mutually exclusive, different. Uh, you will be surprised uh, with how many people today are actually supporting the Syrian government. Sure, like supporting like Tulsi Assad Gabbard, yeah. because. I don't want to mention any names, but like because for them in Syria, that it's, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> because like for them, it's just like the binary. It's either Assad or Al Qaeda, sure, which is completely false, which is completely yeah. not true. Again, many people would argue with you that no, Bashar al-Assad is good. Bashar al-Assad is a loved president, and he's elected. And this is so ignorant. Those people mm-hmm. don't really understand, or they don't know like the history of the Syrian government. They don't understand that actually this family has been ruling the country for the past forty years. Yeah, uh, because Hafiz al-Assad, the father, actually he was not elected. He came into a military coup because of a military. Coup. Sorry, English is not my first language. So in, uh, he came after a military coup in the nineteen seventies. And then after he died in 2000, his son inherited the presidency because this is how it works in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Four generations, five generations don't know what it's like to vote or to elect your president. I have a fantastic question. Tell me. That's going to crack this whole thing wide open. Um, so, okay, um, there's suppression. Those kids are detained and killed. And then uh, the cops are speaking wise and rudely to the victims. And then uh, the conflict starts, right? And you have the rallying cry to avenge those kids. What are the main forces in play in 2013 when we're Why looking we at... Why we are keep jumping from 2011, 2013. Here, between 2011 and 2013, many people, many people, many things have changed. For example, uh, in mid-2011, uh, we had the beginning of the armed opposition. Okay, do you know yes, how the this is op- what I want to learn okay, about. Do, do you know how the armed opposition started? No, I'm dying know? to know. <laughs> okay, does any of you know here? No, no. Okay, so first of all, first and foremost, they were not sent by Turkey because this is how oh, many yeah. people here like try to argue that those people were sent from Turkey, from mm-hmm. Qatar, from Saudi Arabia, etc. So basically, the beginning or the start of the of the armed opposition. It was formed by defectors from police forces and from the Syrian army. Those people who refused to shoot the protesters, they defected with their armed and they decided to form something called the Free Syrian Army, which started actually at the beginning to protect the protesters. So basically, this is how we started with the armed uh, wing of the uprising. Later on, sadly, the uh, repression of the government uh, grew stronger uh, many armed groups were forced, sadly, to take money from countries like Turkey and Saudi Arabia. We started to see the growth of radical groups like Jubhat al-Nasra and Ahrar sham And those groups had so much money. So basically, the Free Syrian Army couldn't really keep that balance. Very important here to note that Ahrar sham and Jubhat al-Nasra, which is affiliated with Al-Qaeda, those people change their name every day. So now Jubhat al-Nasra are called... Uh, right. Uh, Hayat, uh, uh, Blackwater. Uh, Z. For the oh. American audience, it's like Google. The name what? changing, the amount of name changing is uh, similar to like Google. They, well, well, like uh, recently they said that uh, they broke their affili- affiliation with Al-Qaeda. But still, like the ideology is still the same. Uh this is uh, al-Nusra? Al-Nusra. Okay. So let's just call them Al-Qaeda. Let's just call them Nusra. Okay. Okay? So uh, basically, it's very here important to note that Al-Nusra never ever claimed that they are part of the Syrian uprising. And in fact, uh. they started to fight the Free Syrian Army. Today, the activists who were detained in Al-Assad jails, they are serving time in Al-Qaeda jails. They are facing live bullets from 
Al-Nusra fighters because Al-Nusra fighters are not in the country uh, for the same uh, agenda that the Free Syrian Army was fighting for. They are not fighting for the democracy of the country. They are not fighting for the freedom of the country. They are fighting for their own ideology. Mm-hmm. This is why the Free Syrian Army and the Syrian activists don't get along with Al-Qaeda because for them, it's also their enemy. And the... Uh, how would they differ from ISIS, which is also in the region, right? Oh, that's that's this later. That's a whole different. That's a different. Story. Okay, that's, we won't, we won't jump in. All right, story. get out of twenty sixteen, Anders. Uh, God damn it! But again, uh, ISIS today is taking people in Raqqa as a human shields, mm-hmm. uh, and sadly, those people who we have witnessed in uh, New York going in big demonstrations against the military hit uh, on Assad, we do not hear their voices when the American coalition destroys Raqqa and kills hundreds of civilians because it's under the name of like fighting ISIS or fighting uh, yeah. terrorism. Uh, so, b- but back to that, I guess, 2011, 2012 uh, time period, Are the, is the Free Syrian the Army, their composition, is that like basically 100% defectors or are there other people from other factions who are... So most of the leaders were defectors, but then after a while, people started to join them, like activists or even uh, civilians who wanted to uh, join the armed wing of the uprising. And speaking about the Free Syrian Army, again, here it's very important to note that the first fight against ISIS in Syria was by the Free Syrian Army. So basically the Free Syrian Army held the first battles against ISIS and against the Nusra. So when here people like try to argue that the Free Syrian Army is Qaeda, the Free Syrian Army yeah. is radicals, like dude you don't like you don't understand like 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 you don't know what happened between 2012 and 2013 mm-hmm. and 2014. But here is so not fair to just paint all the Syrian uprising as Qaeda. It's not binary. There are people in between who are fighting both. Okay, and so uh, you said that the armed wing of the uprising, what does the uprising want? What do they want to replace the Assad government? The main goals for the Syrian uprising was just to have a fair election, to have accountability uh, for the war crimes committed by the Syrian government, to release the detainees from uh, jails, and to have ceasefire. Like, at by mid-2012, mid-2013, the main aim for the Syrian uprising or for the armed groups were like, just let's have ceasefire and have negotiations. But every time there is a ceasefire in the country, the Syrian government is the one who breaks that ceasefire. Uh, if we want to jump for today, uh, I think many Syrians are just fighting for ceasefire. Whenever I try to like look in on the situation today... Um it's it's very hard to even get a handle on it, and that's why I feel like the 2011 to 12 analysis is so helpful because it seems like there's like four to seven different sides in the struggle. Of course, because uh, by the end of 2013, you started to see growth of Hezbollah. In 2015, the Russians got involved, and then the Iranian got involved. And uh, of course, the Americans have been bombing, by the way, have been bombing the country since 2014. It's not like a new thing that the Americans are, are getting involved. I don't want to sound like an American expert. I don't want to say it's complicated, but sadly, it is complicated. That is that is what we've been calling you on the show as an American expert. So <laughs> I don't call myself an expert. It's too no, late. By American not, expert, I'm you mean a, a pundit sort of speculating uh, by, about okay so basically we we use this term just like to mock people who uh-huh. go to turkey or like lebanon for a week uh who can't even like understand the language mm-hmm. would go to turkey for like a week and then they will come back here and be like hey let me let me tell you what i know about your country right uh actually i grew up in in uh in a city where most of it today support the syrian government and by 2012, I fled the government areas and I worked on front lines with the Free Syrian Army. So basically, I have an insight for both sides of the conflict. Mm. And I will never call myself an expert. Um, so, so far, we've been going up from the beginning of the struggle and kind of getting a feel for the, the forces at play here. Uh, the one element that keeps on popping up when listening to you talk about it is interventions on the grounds of the war on terror. So there's interventions in 2014 Mm. and there are all kinds of strikes happening and it's just very hard to get a clear narrative out of this struggle because 
there are so many different forces at play with different aims. And so major imperialist powers like uh, America and Russia, and then also the Free Syrian Army, the uh, loyalists uh, to Assad. What role do you feel the war on terror has had in the country? Has it been purely destabilization, or is there ever from a um, anti-Assadist perspective relief on intervention from an outside force. Okay, what I'm going to say now, many people from the opposition side don't ag- will not agree with me. That's okay. Again, many people, like, we are not on the same page. Uh, even, like, the Syrian supporters, the Syrian government supporters are divided. Also, as an opposition, we are really divided today. Uh, but from my personal perspective, I think uh, interventions will only bring chaos to the country. And I think as... Uh, activists today we are not politicians i think the only thing we should be fighting for is the protection of the civilians and there is no intervention in the world will be will care about the protection of the civilians it's very rare that uh throwing bombs at people uh is the right move from a civilian perspective but what 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 actually bothers me here that people only speak about the uh imperialist intervention and they only mention America but they don't really mention the Russian intervention that has been going on in the country since 2015 Mm -hmm. Uh, so basically if we are today gonna stand against intervention we also have to stand against all interventions not only against the American intervention we have to stand against both Russian and the Americans and Assad and Hezbollah and if you could what and Turkey and Turkey. What are, yeah, and Turkey so what are they bombing Turkey. Afrin? Like today, uh, Turkey is bombing Afrin. And it's sad today to see many people who are completely silent. They don't consider the Turkish intervention as an intervention. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's like, it's, 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 it's bombing. I'd, I'd, like, because it's bombing the Kurdish areas and some people like consider Kurds are their enemy. You know, it's, it's, it's mm. very complicated. But for me as Syrian today, mm-hmm. as a Syrian activist, I think, any intervention is a problem. Any intervention is a problem. And I think the only main goal today for us is just to look after the civilians and fight for the accountability for all war crimes committed by all sides of the conflict. Okay, I'm very biased to the Syrian uprising, but also those groups who committed uh, human rights violations from the opposition side, also they should be held accountable. Because this is the only way you can rebuild the country again. Agreed, definitely. I guess the the only part where um you know I I see some kind of like not not sympathy or that the the, the people you're talking about the Americans who are anti uh, interventionist but are silent when Turkey strikes or whatever are correct. They're not correct, but I feel like from their perspective, they're the like if if you aren't from Syria and you're not a Russian, the only kind of any like uh, social capital you might have would be. Your own speaking government. out against your own yeah. country. So I th- will not agree with you on that because we see them holding the pictures of Bashar al-Assad. Who? Some people from the left. Some 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 groups. Is there a specific are, uh, like I well not person, but I mean like ideology? You think? Hands of Syria. We only see them uh, in the streets protesting against the Amer- in, like, against intervention when. Uh, the in, the military hit actually hits Assad. Hmm. So basically, they are not hands of Syria; they are hands of Assad. We do hmm. we do not hear their voice when there is like a bombing on Raqqa, and 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 like the bombing on Raqqa is insane. Like three hundred civilians were killed in less than a month. White phosphor has been used on the Raqqa. We did not hear their voices mm-hmm. because Assad bases were not actually targeted which is this weird twisting narrative where you have people like hands off syria is mostly just hardline communists who are taking in what is essentially a very reactionary statement protecting uh assad which is an undemocratic not left-wing regime at all just because it serves their narrative of being against the people they're usually against and for them like every time you try to argue with them they have this argument that oh well assad government has lots of supporters that's not a thing. Yeah, well, this government has a lot of supporters. <laughs> exactly, yeah. like, exactly. Like CC today, the, the the horrible CC has supporters. You you will see people dancing in the streets for him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make him like good, like a good uh, yeah. president. Trump has supporters. Right. Oh, this, I'm this racist. Saudi government there has are a lot of racists. <laughs> Your move. Well, if you could maybe uh, give a little background about um, like Putin and and Turkey and their involvement in in the conflict and. 
how I and just why wanna that's since true. we 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 went to the uh, Assad government support supporters and whatever. I just want to say that uh, it's such an Orientalist thing to say that all Syrians have the same uh, political stance. Not all, sure. not not all Syria joined the uprising, and not all Syria uh, support the Syrian government. But the thing is that under Assad, only one voice could be heard, which is the Syrian government supporters, and they are really proud of that. Their favorite and their main slogan is Assad or we burn the country. They say it out loud. They write it on walls every time they go and they raid uh, a city or a town. Uh, but the Syrian uprising was aiming towards a system where all those voices could be heard. Voices from both sides of the conflict, mm-hmm. not the conflict, the country or whatever. It's really surprising when you see people who pretend to be fighting for a freedom and democracy uh, to be lining up with a police state government. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just surprising, and it doesn't make sense. To right, me, to be honest. it's backward. Yeah, and a lot of this does yeah. go back to this. If it's not the U.S., then it's good. Like we gotta have solidarity with it. Like a lot of these people believe in solidarity yeah, exactly. with North Korea. It goes. It goes back to um, kind of the 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 same dynamic that pops up in uh, every aspect of political conversation, which is can you choose a side? If it means silencing voices, every voice against you, and okay. and and also like I feel that they don't really care where uh, the Syrians stand in this in this conversation. For for them, it's they're so self centered. So for them, let's just see where America is standing, so we can take the other side without really understanding right. the timeline, without really understanding that. No, actually, you can support the Syrian people and you can stand against intervention at the same time. You, you, can, you can support this cause. We are not asking you to support uh, intervention. We just want you to support this repressed nation that has been just calling for democracy and fair election. So what, what, what things do you think people who might listen to this podcast, you know, Americans mostly, like what, what can we do to support um, the struggle outside of we wanna period. just hear your voices. We just wanna see you in the street protesting every time and a like an airstrike happens in the country. We wanna see the demonstrations all the time. Not all the time. Not like planning a movement here. Sorry, <laughs> Trump. Uh, but no, like we. Yeah, Trump. Sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me, let me yes, Trump. He does listen. Don't hate <laughs> um, from the listeners who I think we they are leftists. No. I think. God, yeah, I hope it'd so. It'd be very <laughs> weird if they weren't. If yes. they're not by All of the you end are of it, then we're not doing our job. They come in conservative and then we... we they're them. conservative spies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we just want, as Syrian today, we just want their solidarity. Just solidarity with, with all Syrian civilians. And please do not be selective in your solidarity. Do not just only go and protest when uh, the Americans hit the country. We also want to hear your voices when... Uh, the Russians hit a school or a hospital. And again, we want to hear your voice when the Americans hit a Raqqa and kill civilians. So it, this, it, like, it is not fair just to hear your voice when, when like an Assad airbase get hit. This is not fair. Mm-hmm. We so want we c- you to stand with the protection of the civilians, period. Right. And there are embassies and consulates here that we could... Uh, I d- no, it's not. It's not. And 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 again, here I'm speaking from a very activist perspective, and I think all of us here today are activists. Here, I'm not uh, trying to change the mind of policymakers because I know policymakers don't give a shit about Syria. They don't give a shit about civilians. Uh, for them, they are in their positions to serve uh, the interests of their country. Mm-hmm. And here, I'm not. I like. I don't know what's their interest in the country is, but I know that civilians is not on the list. From an internationalist perspective, you should care about the civilians. You should care, exactly. You should care about the civilians and you should, again, ask for accountability for all human rights. I'm not asking you just... uh, I'm I'm not just asking you to stand only against the government. Also, stand against... Stand with the people who are fighting Al-Qaeda today, you know? And, 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 And those voices, they are not heard. This is why there's like this weird binary today in in the in in, in the lefty in the circle. left discussion about it. If okay. if if you really care about the democracy of those people, you should support the like the people who serve time in Al Qaeda jail and Assad jail at the same time. Don't be selective. Well, moving forward in in the timeline. So hot here. 
Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It is, yeah. Wait, I can actually, if we want to pause the interview for a second, I can go get a fan. If you hear a fan noise, it's not just the whir of the left. <laughs> it's a fan. It's a f- um, yeah, it's just not the momentous whimsy. Speaking uh, the of, of uh, the climate in the room, which <laughs> we're trying to cool right now. <laughs> Climate change. No, climate. You gotta have a dead okay. joke sound. <laughs> that's been an issue that some people not to to uh, probably shouldn't. But, all right, how do I make this sound serious? The, the The pipeline is an issue that some people okay, brought so, up. What is the pipeline? Okay, so basically, yeah. there is this weird theory that, um, like uh, Qatar uh, or maybe Saudi Arabia. I have no idea. Actually, this is something that someone told me about the other day. He was like, oh, let me tell you about the pipeline and how this conflict started. So basically, there is this theory about this this pipeline that uh, was going to be built between, I think, Qatar and Turkey. And it was supposed to cross from Syria. But then the president, Assad, said, "Uh, no, we don't want the pipeline. And this is why they decided to attack him. This is one of the theories. The other theory is that Israel is trying to make something called Bigger Israel, and they wanted to have Syria on their map. I don't bigger know. Bigger Israel? They want it on their... Oh, they want it... Okay. Yeah, and huh. this is this is, this is is something like... Also, one person once came to me and to argue about this, and I was like, dude, there, there's like... That was an uprising. And if you don't know the the nature of the Syrian government, you won't understand why those people were against their own government. Huh. So, and... You, so it I, obfuscates the civil unrest of the... the very well-reported yeah. civil unrest, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I don't think it's fair when we say that it is underreported because I think the Syrian conflict is one of the most... Uh, covered conflict in the history. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm saying it's well reported. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, 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 yeah. For yeah. people yeah. to doubt yeah. it. And like, uh, people here have some issue with the mainstream media. Like, why would you be not, like, why would you not trust Washington Post, for example? Like, I don't know why people here, like, don't really get. I, I mean, for they, their foreign reporting? Uh, yeah, well, like Washington is, Post and New York Times. Like, they have been having reporters on the ground since day one in Syria. Not day one, but like, they did, for me, a Syrian today, I read their stories and I'm like, okay, they're doing a good job. Yeah, I, I understand the idea that sometimes uh, foreign correspondents and maybe uh, bigger outlets uh, are bereft of nuance in certain situations, but it's crazy to think to just dismiss all of this reporting when, yeah, you know, like, the yeah. Times, Washington like, well, Post. Exactly. Like, have, have been out there. Times. They've been covering genocides for years. They've been yeah. Right. They can take a bent. We may disagree with. But okay. They, yeah. If, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you sure. don't want to follow uh, New York Times and Washington Post, you can follow Amnesty International or Human Rights Watch. Mm-hmm. They uh, they have been now. Yeah. They have been doing a great work on Syria, especially Human Rights Watch. Actually, they just published a report on uh, the phosphor. Phosphorus, white phosphorus. I'm phos against. Okay, 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 I'm not gonna use this word. Uh, But but yeah, I think uh, Human Rights Watch. I think they have been doing great job, and just recently they published this great report on uh, the American airstrikes in Raqqa, and they and they have been also documenting the Kurds human rights violations in the Arab villages. So if you are very skeptical about New York Times and Washington Post and foreign correspondent, go to Human Rights Watch or Amnesty. But to say that all those people are liars and go to shady, weird, uh, conspiracy theories website, that's too much. If I didn't read it in Workers Vanguard, I don't know if it's Uh, legit. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I know you've said that you believe very much in solidarity with other people in say Palestine or oh, of course, Egypt of course, who are of course, of course solidarity should not be divided as Syrian today of course I will stand with solidarity with Palestinians with Bahrainians with uh, Yemenis uh, with Egyptians today like today no one speaks about Egypt because apparently Sisi and Trump are kind of becoming besties no one speaks about the journalists who have been in jails in Egypt for like years now uh, I think this is our mission to as activists to stand in solidarity with everyone, even with the people here in this country today, especially with women, since Trump hates us. Right, so that's a recurring theme of the show. 
uh, international solidarity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not about state actors. It's about you know doing the it's right thing. It's about solidarity. It's about civilians. It's about that you should support the people who are who are oppressed, who are dreaming of a better country. I joined the uprising not because I hated my country, not because. I was a tool by uh-huh. uh, the Americans. No, because I wanted my country to be better and because I wanted to have fair election and because I wanted my children to have a better life, not because I hated my country. Well, you mentioned, you know, that um, obviously Assad is Alawite and you're Alawite as well. And uh, could you maybe talk a little bit about the different ethnic groups there and how there's division or solidarity uh, in terms of the uprising and Syria is a very diverse country mm-hmm. and um, and to speak about minorities or like this diversity in the uprising I think but I can assure you that after 2011 the Syrian government had only two sects in their mindset that you are either with the government or against the government, whether you're a Christian, whether you're Alawi, whether you're Dursi, if you're against the government, then you are deserved to be killed. A great example, actually, of a Christian activist, uh, his name is Basil Shahade, actually, he was studying in Syracuse here, up- upstate, right? Syracuse? Syracuse, yeah, mm-hmm. this was the name, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he left his school and he went to Homs uh, to film, and then he was killed by the Syrian forces. Again, Syria is a very, very diverse country, and uh, many, and the Syrian uprising was for all Syrians, but the Syrian government was able to use the minority card. Uh, but for the Syrian government, at the end of the day, it didn't matter for them uh, if you are Alawi or uh, Christian or if you are Durzi. If you're against the government, then then you deserve to be killed. Mm. And we lost many activists from different ethnic backgrounds in Assad jails. I really want to go back to the binary issue between like because many people here when they when they try to ask me about the future of the country the question is always it goes to that circle of like oh like who do you want to rule the country after right. Assad like do you want Al-Qaeda to rule or do you want ISIS to rule the country yeah. and it's 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 very ignorant it's very stupid but is that a, a concern that you have that if Assad is just taken out um, in sort of an it could happen in kind of a careless way uh, if the U.S. or someone intervenes and they take out Assad that that vacuum could be filled by al-Nusra or ISIS. Actually, no, that doesn't like that. That doesn't scare me uh, because every time we see a ceasefire in the country, I don't know if you guys are following Syria closely, but every time there is a ceasefire in the country, we see demonstrations against Al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. And those demos- like we see demonstrations against Al Qaeda and Assad at the same time. So it's very unlikely for those people, if we have ceasefire and we have fair elections, to actually go and elect a radical group. But what if they take power by force? Just because they have the most guns or whatever. Okay, yeah. the only reason they were able to to gain power, Al Qaeda, was because of the repression of the government. I'll give you an example. Let's say you live in Aleppo. I mean. You live in Idlib, for example, and Idlib is under siege and you're starving to death. And then Al-Qaeda came and broke the siege. And uh, because of them, now you're able to eat again. Are you going to stand against them? Of course not. But am I going to blame you? Of course not. I am, I am going to blame the Syrian government that put your town under siege. And again, it's very unlikely uh, if we had ceasefire in the country to still see support for Al-Qaeda. And again, even under this extreme repression, we see activities against Al-Qaeda in the country. So you would say that maybe it's uh, they would be easier to take out if um, that were to happen, the ISIS or someone like that, easier to fight than uh, the Assad government. At least that's an argument I've heard. Without democratic support. They, they wouldn't be able to hold the country, you're saying, even if they somehow just like took power the day after. You I'm not saying like they would. You mean like said like step down and Al-Qaeda took over? No, if he was so like what, you know, the U.S. has a habit of doing, um, which is just take out a dictator mm-hmm. um, and somebody happens to fill that, that void, uh, you know, is that a possibility? I don't think there will be, like... I think the main reason... Well, I don't think. I believe the main reason behind the chaos that we are seeing today and the growth of radical groups is because of the repression of the government. People started to 
join radical groups because it was their only way to okay i can't answer this this is too complicated to to answer in like two minutes right right, but, right, right. um but if we are really concerned about the democracy of the country mm-hmm. let's stop the fighting and ha- and have the people decide have the people decide with actual fair elections not with like a gun over their head because I don't think if uh, Assad stepped down, uh, Al-Qaeda will still have the same ground in the country. And as I told you before, every time there is a ceasefire, we see demonstrations against those people. We see that. after still Even, even after seven years, we still see voices fighting both Assad and Al-Qaeda. And those voices are exhausted, and they deserve to have a safe ground where they can practice their democracy. What is day-to-day life like in the region after the struggle's gone on for this many years is are the because i I have such limited understanding of the of the country in general uh has there been so much destruction that you're just fixing things all day or does it feel like you're living anywhere else uh the last time i went to syria it was 2014 Aside with the destruction, aside with the the, the, the constant bombardment, it really scares me, uh, like the younger generation. Can you imagine, like... Growing up in that kind of... Seven years, people uh-huh. living without schools, people living, getting used to, like, dead bodies. Like, this is actually what makes me uh, worried about the future of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even if the fighting stopped, I think we have lots of work to do with the younger generation. So how do you want a, a ceasefire to be implemented? Well, I'm not a policymaker, <laughs> uh, but I think... Uh, Seems like an unfair question. <laughs> but I how would know. it? Because I'm know. trying I to think... think I think we will you know, have a way, like the international community should have a way to force Assad to the negotiation table. And I was okay. having a meeting like with one of those policymakers, and I asked him this question. If you guys are aiming towards a ceasefire. How are you able to force Assad to the negotiation table? And no one could answer this question. We had multiple ceasefires in the country and every time Assad used to break them. And no one can uh, hold him accountable. So the international community should find a way to force Assad to the negotiation table. This is why many Syrian opposition in DC, for example, or even in Turkey, they think that uh, military intervention would be... uh, the best way American uh, or like international intervention to target Assad military bases, which will force Assad to sit on the negotiation table. But in my opinion, I, I have no idea. It does seem like it would be very hard to do with, without military intervention. Um, or does, does he have any specific ties that kind of give him power on a local political level with outside actors who could maybe like leverage that into happening? I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. So I have no idea. Extremely but like, complicated situation. <laughs> it is. It is. It's up it to is, you, Alex. It is. I got, I got it. <laughs> it. It is. It is extremely complicated situation, and it's it's scary because if Assad stayed in power, like his son gonna rule the country in twenty years. Without changing the actual structures, it no, doesn't even no, matter no. if he just. They will dies. lie yeah. to people. They would lie to the international community. They will tell them, "Look, we had." Uh, fair elections and every time Assad and his father when they used to run for uh, uh, like when they used to have elections in the country they used to win with like 99.4 99.9 that's really good and are you gonna tell me that okay all the country will gonna vote for you again and you will get 99 point something I think it's scary and I think uh, the international again I'm not a policymaker I'm not a politician I think the international community should find a way to force Assad to the negotiation table because this is the only way to stop the bloodshed in the country but what are the prospects you think for the free Syrian army uh, taking power is that realistic to expect in the next few years that they could actually overthrow Assad I think the problem today is not only with Assad I think he built around himself this circle of powerful businessmen, of powerful militias, that even if Assad stepped down, those militias were kept fighting. Uh, This is why, as I told you, we need ceasefire, because the ceasefire will assure that all sides of the conflict will sit down and we will have this accountability. If Assad stepped down, his supporters are not going to, like, they are not going to be like, okay, we're going to put our arms down and... 
and everything will be fine and we will just agree with whoever going to be the president. But could there those militias be defeated militarily? I have no idea. No. But again, they are heavily supported by uh, Lebanon. They are heavily supported by the Iraqi Hajj uh, al-Shabi, the Shia militias. And it scares me, you know. And, and, and many people would argue with me. They would say that this is not... This is not a civil war. Well, it is now a civil war. Mm. It is now a civil war because I know that even if Assad stepped down at some point, uh, you will still have groups fighting in the country, Syrian groups mm-hmm. that they will fight in the country and, and, and the country is not going to be stabilized with the, you know, but we just need a political, political transition. I'm not here to make any big claims. I'm not here to put the agenda for how we should end the conflict. I should, I, I think my main problem today in this country that people don't recognize that what happened in Syria happened because there was an actual uprising. The mm-hmm. whole conflict started because there was true uprising against this fascist government. And the people had every reason to rebel against the government. So it's not just an imperial struggle it's that started out change. on a ground... We are not puppets. Someone Venmo me money. It was like, hey, Lubna, go on this demonstration. And I was like, yalla, I'm going. No, 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 no. People, like, like thousands, maybe millions of people went in demonstrations and we faced live bullets and we used to go the next day knowing that we might get shot. Like, this is, this is, this is how people were... This is how much believed in the uprising. This is how much we loved the country. We did not do it because someone pushed us to do it. So re- regime change is the bottom line, and it should be on the Syrian people's terms and not anybody else's. Okay, why regime change should ha- should be a bad word? No, that I'm okay. Didn't regime- say it's a bad uh, word. Yeah, no, 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 no. But like people use it in a very like like why? Because like, the implication would be that we just we have somebody a else is doing it at the end of a gun. Okay, but if the people demanding it, if if yeah. if Syrians are demanding regime change, if Syrians are demanding a system where both oppositions and Syrian supporters should be heard, why this is called? It's more. Why, uh, this is like uh, a, I think a negative. the term regime change just brings back some bad memories. Yeah, and, and this is where. Doesn't this is me. more about us. It's more. I think of the haircut I had. Th- this at is time. where American uh, bipartisan politics starts to warp everything and influence everything. Is that people are using this as their personal catharsis against Trump, against Trump, or yeah. about Iraq, or all of these things that have nothing to do with the specific conflict we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. this like, is about the Syrian people taking like control people, of their own. It's like government. people here when they speak about like Libya regime change. No, like Libya had huge demonstrations and and people stood up against Gaddafi. It is not regime change imposed by the West. Okay, just because what happened later on was not in the favor of the Libyan people doesn't mean that the, the uprising was not fair. It doesn't right. mean that the revolution of 25th of January in Egypt was not fair. Like the Arab Spring inspired millions, billions around the globe. Now the Arab Spring has that negative term. Why? Well, I I guess I just there are people who run with that. So like they, you know, uh, it's one thing to say, yeah, we stand in solidarity with these people who want a, a regime change. Yes, but um, there are factors and factions in this country and uh, in the West, particularly who Let's want more go, war. Yeah, and, yeah. But like I, I think I think always we when when we speak about the Arab Spring or when we speak about Libya or Syria. The people are not in the picture. People like here, these people are being stripped from their agency. Where is the agency of the Syrian people yeah. in the American left circles? Nothing. I went to the left forum uh, last month, I think, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, tons of panels on Syria. They didn't have any Syrian speaker. It was mostly people trying to explain. Uh, how the Americans are attacking Bashar al-Assad or how the Americans Mm -hmm. are trying or aiming towards a regime change in Syria. But where is the Syrian person on the panel? Give me a Syrian person who stood up against the government and he only wants what is best for his country. Zero. So, But I guess this is where I I feel like there's more in common, ultimately, um, than not. Uh, And, you know... Obviously, yeah, like there should be more attention to Syrian voices and it should be about the the Syrian people. Um, but you would also 
say, though, that there are factors in the United States and policymakers who do want to do really bad things to of course, the world. And, of course, of right. course. Yes, I agree with you. Many people uh, who want bad things for the country, many Zionists actually today, yeah. are using the Syrian cause and they are using the refugee issues to whitewash their guilt. Doesn't mean that the Syrians are bad? Of course not. Doesn't mean that actually people are taking advantage of this whole cause, of this whole movement? Of course. I feel like we've got our questions out. I definitely learned a lot. Do you guys have anything else you want to throw in? Okay. Can I just add one thing? Yeah, yeah I was about to ask note? you. Okay. I just want to say that uh, if you guys really concerned our listeners, if you're really concerned about the democracy of the country, the future of the country, just to support those people today in Idlib who are uh, standing against Al-Qaeda, who are standing against Assad at the same time, who are standing against the Russian intervention, uh, those people are your allies. You sh- allies are the right word, right? Yeah. Allies. So sure. you should be supporting them. Uh, you should be helping them to get their voices out. There is a great movie coming to New York, July 7th. It's called City of Ghosts. It's Ooh. about the Raqqa and it's about ISIS. It's about this group of young men who use media activism to uh, document ISIS violations because at some point the only voices from Raqqa were the propaganda of ISIS. So basically those young men used uh, the media in a way just like to expose uh, what ISIS was doing in Raqqa. Brilliant movie. You have to see it. Uh, City of Ghosts. Damn. Sounds like a good movie. Not because they are my friends, because it's a brilliant movie. Explains how ISIS became bigger. Explains uh, that people in the country actually are now 2017 they are fighting on all, all front is this like a art house type stuff like IFC documentary documentary but it's in movie theaters yeah is it yeah. playing somewhere J- here July 7th J- July right? 7th July 7th yeah. check it out City of Ghosts check it out alright uh, um, I think that's it for us here on Left Jest say no to intervention folks so yeah follow, and follow us on Twitter and at, go to at the real left jest leave how us how many followers do you have Oh, so many! It's crazy. Like us on Facebook, yeah. Like three. <laughs> three. three. After this interview, we'll don't look have... at the phone. The phone lies. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have quite a few, and you know, hopefully, some some five star ratings or some three star ratings. If you're uh... no five, just leave no. five stars. Three's not even an option. You well, never we'll get take the trolls. plugs right. <laughs> we'll take some trolls. If you hate everything we talked about, then uh, please five star or one star. Yeah, and follow me on Facebook. Nothing in between. And follow Love Now on Sorry, Facebook. No, wait, She's verified. Facebook that, verified. That was so loud. And follow me on you Facebook and for updates. Yeah. <laughs> God, I hate that show. Lubna Mary. M-R-I-E. Did I get it? Mary. Mary. All right. Lubna Mary. All right. We did it. Thanks, Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye.